The Marlins heading into Philadelphia. They are the five seed and they are facing the Phillies in a three-game wildcard series. The Marlins back in a full regular season, 1-6-2 wildcard for the first time since 2003. What happened that year? They went on to win it. How do the Marlins win this year's World Series? We start with the Phillies and this is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. This is your team every day. And thanks to making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. Ah, This could be Locked On postseason. Who knows? There is a YouTube channel, guys, of course. Hit subscribe there also. It is called Locked On Marlins. And guys, the Marlins have made it. And I'm delighted to welcome into the house on Monday, the 2nd of October, of course. The UK coach, Sean Barrett. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing well, Pete. Uh, bit of an issue after yesterday's celebrations, but mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is the You're time to, go. to really celebrate because this is, as we've said a lot, this is a rarity for the Smiles fans. So yeah, super, super up for this. Super pumped, mate. Five seed Marlins. They would have made it in a normal wildcard race anyway. So, you know, they didn't have to go back to New York. Kim giving it the Djokovic. See you later. Um, Tons to get into, mate. But listen, this series is going to be an absolute stunner. And the really interesting part is the Marlins are what I would describe in the primetime slot. Not only have they made it, but they aren't buried in the early slot. They are in the primetime slot against the Phils. This series, I think, could have everything uh, this episode is sponsored by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On MLB for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That app is going to be extremely valuable over the next couple of weeks for baseball fans, no doubt about it. We'll talk about those guys later on. Sean, um, I know I've done a couple of emergency pods covering basically all the action over the weekend, etc. Try if you can to give me your reaction on the Marlins, not just clinching, but also clinching as a five seed and heading to Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, it, there was a scenario where obviously they could be playing today and it really could have been a drawn-out process, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they went ahead and got the business done, got it done early and got it done so well that, they, yeah, they did end up in the wildcard two spot. And for me, that's kind of that's kind of big for me because mm-hmm. not just the differences in, in travel or anything like that or who we have to play, it's that I know what would have happened if they'd got the wildcard free spot. It would have been a case of, here's this team with a negative run differential, the lowest run scored in the National League. They yep. crept in because they were lucky and because of the new rules. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it is, no, they got there well on their merits. Have they been lucky? Sure. But they they've got into the playoffs and they would have got into the playoffs with last year's rules as well. So yes. this isn't just a, a 2023 asterisk season because we've heard enough and had enough of that about the 2020 season, and, and that's probably more fair. But this is, they got in, got the job done, and we saw with the Cubs, like, they absolutely just crumbled at the end. The Marlins, with all their injuries, with all the issues they've had, could have absolutely just fallen away. 
at the end and not made it. But they delivered when they needed to. Absolutely. How do you feel about an 84-win team um, making it into the wildcard? I mean, it's... <laughs> It's a little questionable, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> we see some. We see sometimes in the NFL teams getting in with you know a, a losing record almost. Mm. So I think I think the baseball have done the right thing in opening up the playoffs. I think this year is just. Um, yeah, I mean, I think normally uh, an eighty-five, six, seven is going to be what you need to get there. I mm. think just some of the teams just fell away. Some of the teams were really bad, like. 100 lost seasons like some of the teams were really really bad so I think it is a case of normally I think it would take more to get into the playoffs but yeah 84 I mean yeah it's only two games over 500 uh and uh, thankfully that's all it required because after the all-star break this year the Marlins really did nearly uh <laughs> mess it up in the end yeah they did they, they gave us a scare no doubt I do think it's interesting like the number to get in uh, you know, I think it certainly helps this year that clearly three, at least three highly projectable teams, you know, way underperformed. And the teams I'm talking about are the New York Mets, San Diego Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals. All three of them really, really underperformed and just really didn't show up this year. And so that created the opportunity for the Marlins and the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. Like the Cubs, I don't think going into this year were, you know, overly optimistic about making it, particularly, you know, the, the Cardinals in that division, the Brewers, you know, I don't think they were. And so, you know, those three teams, bit of a surprise package. The Reds equally emerged as well. So, you know, a lot of teams that weren't expected to do well ended up, you know, benefiting from the poor, poor performance of the other teams around it. And for me, it's, you know, it's just fun. It's fun and it's actually really engaging. And we've seen baseball this year, even though some of these big club team, big name teams haven't done well. What we've seen, though, Sean, is like attendances, general interest in baseball, way up, way up. Like the attendances were, I think, I think I saw it earlier on, maybe like 10% up, let's say. Let's just round it up to 10. Um, so, you know, rule changes are being brought in, different teams in the hunt. Like, you know, baseball, it feels like is is moving in the right direction just more generally. And I think, you know, this this postseason, I think, should be a lot of fun. I quite like this format. There's definitely a few kinks in it, I must say. Like, I do I, I do feel like the the lack of... The fact that they operate with a bracket rather than a reseed like the NFL. Like, if the sixth seed is still in it, the sixth seed is who the Braves should face, in my opinion. You know, the Braves' advantage of you're the one seed. If, if the sixth seed makes it through the wild card, that's who the Braves should be facing, in my opinion. Just that should be the advantage. Uh, and the incentive to keep going in some ways. So, but what's just your general take here on on baseball? Um, the rule changes. It feels like things are in a real positive direction, which you know is great for us and great for the game. Yeah, I mean the, the results have been exactly what MLB would have wanted when they made made the decision to open up the, an extra wild card spot. It will yeah. be interesting to, to to me to see what happens in the playoffs because, as you've just said, some of the higher profile, bigger market teams aren't in it. So there might be an issue, especially if, if the Marlins carry on through Philadelphia, through the Braves, oh yeah, two really big market teams. Like the numbers on, on the TV screens could, could look lower, 
And, and that'd be a shame. From it's just the truth, isn't it? That'd it be is. a shame. And I think a, a bigger story will be made of that, of, other than just that there were smaller market teams in the playoffs. There'll be some attack of of what not with the rules changes or whatever. Um, but yeah, for me, the results have been there. Like watching the games, the 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 viewership of the game is so much better now. You're not locked into three and a half, four, five hours uh, every night. Sometimes you know you can get in, get out. Nice two and a half hour game, especially for us over here in the UK. I mean, no doubt. It, it's perfect. Like a two AM finish is is so much better than a four AM finish. That's for sure. It's perfect for everyone, mate. I mean, it's just you know you can't have four hours a day for six months. It's it's too much. Um, it's too much to be honest. So you know the two and a half, like just kind of squeezing all the action in. Nothing's lost. There's no outs have been lost. We've just trimmed the fat. It's perfect. What did you make about? Um, the Marlins and Phillies being put into what I would describe as the primetime slot. Seems like, you know, that's they're in the same slot every day. The last game out, um, you know, 1, 1 a.m. UK times so are not optimal for us, but um, for the U.S. fans, I think that is primetime. Uh, what would you make on that? What do you make on that? Because when I did see the Marlins are obviously going to make the postseason, I was interested to see, are they going to be the first out? Clearly, I knew the Rays were also going to be in this uh, wild card, and I did feel like it would be kind of like either the Marlins or the Rays, depending on who they matched up. It would have been interesting if the Marlins were facing the Brewers, actually, to see what slot they would have been in. But, yeah, for me, I look at this draw. I look at this wild cards, you know, extravaganza we're going to face into. I, I truly believe, you know, bias aside, I, I feel like the Marlins-Phillies is the most juicy matchup out there. What about you? <laughs> There's a hell of a lot of bias in that same one, isn't there? <laughs> uh, I'm surprised, genuinely surprised that that's the case, that they've put them on last. Um it might be just, I mean, is that the best time for them? Obviously, it is prime time, literally, but mm. it's weird, isn't it? Because you're going to have fans of some of these teams that aren't going to be able to watch the game because they're fitting in so many that the work's going to get in the way. So, mm. so for me, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, I don't know whether, I mean, surely thought goes into this. It's not just a random draw and they just pick it and choose it. But they obviously, look, the, these these people in baseball know what they're doing. They were they're there to earn money, so they they're going to have picked it in the way that they think is going to be the best situation. And yeah, I mean the, the Miles Philly series is going to be entertaining. You've got division rivals yeah. going against each other, um, and obviously the Phillies and the Marlins have had. There's not been not any contention in our history, but certainly the Marlins and the Phillies always is a, an entertaining product. It is. Um, so be really interesting to see how it goes. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to talk about let's let's really get into that series shortly because you're right, it is going to be an entertaining product just by the makeup of these clubs. I feel like they match up really well and pair really well. And so it should be fun. I think that's kind of the thought behind this. Equally, like the Phil's Philadelphia, I mean, they're in the World Series last year. It's a big market. Um, there's gonna be a lot of interest um from them too. So um before we do that, uh it's time to let you know about our good friends. Over at game time, uh, we need the graphics up as well. And I think it is the teal graphics too. So we get them pumped. Should always have these ready, but I've got no I've got no producer with me on this show. It's produced, hosted, managed by me. Nevertheless, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Uh, and you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And with killer last-minute deals, all in prices. Views from your seat and the best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying 
tickets. Yes, sir. And they have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute tickets. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code, and that is LOCKEDONMLB, all in caps, uh, for 20 bucks off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. All right, you are joining me, Peter Pratt, and the UK coach, Sean Barrett, on Monday, the 2nd of October. We are sitting here on an off day. A lot happening, though, in Philadelphia. Pressers, on-field action, tons happening, mate. But fundamentally, the Marlins, they have a three-game series in front of them against the Philadelphia Phillies. And, uh, Sean, I think one of the main talking points will be and was will be and will continue to be and also was leading up to this is what's the rotation going to look like for the Marlins? I think we knew what the Phillies were going to throw out there um, and they have gone as as expected. But from a Marlins perspective, it was like, how are they going to piece together this rotation of three-game series? We got the announcement yesterday. Jesus Lozado gets the ball in game one. Braxton Garrett gets the ball in game two. Game three starter, not yet announced, but uh, we'll get to that when we need to. Um, what are your thoughts on that? lineup i would say from a rotation perspective i mean that's kind of what we expected i think uh one of the advantages of not having to have the pressure of playing today or at least needing to those guys to pitch over the last couple of days on short rest or whatever yeah. is that yeah they're ready so i think lazardo garrett that was the obvious choice and then it's a pick your poison game three isn't it likely to be eddie oh of course but um and he's pitched a lot better recently like he's he's it's basically flip a coin, which Eddie you're going to get. He could be elite and, and really lock down a, a role for himself as far as like winning a series for the Marlins. But mm. hopefully it doesn't go to game three and we can just lock it down in the first two. But yeah, Lazardo Gara, I mean, these might not have been the names that we were thinking on our heads of trusting in a playoff series at the beginning of the season. But They've earned this. This isn't a, oh, yeah. they're starting these games by proxy. Obviously, Sandy was there, Sandy would be pitching. But they have got the numbers. They've had the year to back up being a number one, two starters in the playoffs. Yeah. It, it, you know, take the names away and just put the stats up. That's that's what most teams are throwing out there. And, of course, the one thing to remember is everyone's stats are back down to zero. That first start, that, to zero, that right? first game, that first at-bat, They'll show you the, the season numbers, but their numbers technically will be all zeros. Yeah. doesn't matter what you've done this year. I mean, Stallings can get a hello, home run winning hit and all will be forgiven. Um, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't care what you did in the season. This is a completely different beast where we've seen MVP players hitting you know, below the Mendoza line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as as going into it, these guys have, have delivered, and, and it, I'm not going into the playoffs thinking, oh, we're not at 100 percent and we're going to struggle. I think the Marlins have got everything they need mm. to go and make a an, an, a surprising run. No doubt. I I look at this. I look at this Phillies matchup, and when I when I saw those because. I was debating in my head a few days ago on the pod just when I was rolling solo and, you know, clearly we didn't know how game 161 slash 162 was actually going to play out. Like, was Braxton Garrett actually going to have to pitch or not? And that kind of fed into the thinking. Um, if he if he did have to go, 
in some sort of way, I was wondering maybe they, you know, they'd flip it then and follow the the rest pattern, obviously, and go Lazardo game one, which I think we all expected. But then it was like, okay, you're going to go Eddie Cabrera, you know, piggybacking with Wado, maybe. Like, I'm intrigued to see how they can actually piece that third star together. But, you know, I, I think the guys you called out makes a ton of sense. Like, it was no brainer. They're the best two starters. So it's like, bang, bang, they're the starters. Lazardo gets the ball, makes sense. Obviously, uh, Brax will be on like super long rest, I guess, now, um, which is, you know, going to be good for him. He's, you know, they're effectively kind of swapping order, I guess, there really. Um, but as well, what I was thinking, I was thinking about, okay, you've got two lefties going back to back, and then you've got a ton of lefties in the pen. Like the Marlins are going ultra lefty heavy here. And, you know, when I think of the fills, you know, clearly you've got Carl Schwab at top of the order. Big lefty guy. I'm thinking, okay, that probably matches up well platoon-wise. Who's the other guy you want to avoid? Bryce Harper, another lefty guy. I'm thinking, you know, actually, I do wonder if this, you know, ultra-lefty approach will actually maybe help the Marlins in this series. Then I saw some numbers knocking around that actually the Phillies against lefty starters have been really good this year. Um, however, against Brax and Lozado, I think we're 0-4. So, you know, that does give me confidence that, you know, the... The lefties going may just slightly neutralize some of the main weapons here for the Phils. Um, I don't know. I mean, they've got tons of weapons. The, the offense is is deep. Um, you know, it's most guys are hitting, you know, WRC plus above 100, I think, in the lineup. Like, it's, it's such a deep and versatile lineup. And there's a couple of guys in there that look like Marlins, to be honest with you, contact hitters that just kind of frustrate you. But, you know, they've got the power sprinkled in there. In some ways, I feel like this offense, these offenses are, kind of built in a similar way. Um, but what's your thoughts on that? Just having the two lefties going back to back, not really changing it up. And obviously, you know, Schwarber, Bryce Harper, some big power threats, both lefties. Um, you know, Bryce is a former MVP. Um, and Schwarber's, you know, he hits more home runs than he does singles. So, you know, these guys, their power threats don't matter who's throwing. But I don't know, could this help the Marlins here? I mean, it's going to be key, isn't it? Because, I mean, the, the home run is in the playoffs is is such a weapon, isn't it? And especially with the yep. way that the Marlins are built, they can't get into a, a into a slugging match, really. No. Um, or at least, you know, historically that has always been the case. I think when you talk about lefty numbers, the one thing you've got to factor in is <laughs> there are some pretty bad lefties out there. Um, mm. And normally, historically, like the lefty throws with a little bit less gas than the right. You At least you can get away with it more. Um with Lazard, obviously, that's not an issue. He's throwing upper 90s. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it is a case of like lefty, righty, does matter. Um, and it will help into the game having all those lefty options. You can you can sort of pick your poison almost, couldn't you? Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it is a case of if, if that works for the Marlins, then, then that would be great because it is a case of we know we're lefty heavy. There are There's only a couple of guys that you trust there's only a couple of guys at all in the in the bullpen that are righties, um, yeah. but especially in leverage. And, it, and we'll be talking super leverage, won't we? When you're bringing yeah. in the relievers against the lefty in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning of a playoff game that's close, like this is this is it, isn't it? This is yeah. This is what we've worked for all the all season, and every single decision will be micro analysed. Every single game will be micro managed. Um, so having that many lefties, quality lefties as well, is yeah. going to be absolutely key. 
death by lefties in it for the Marlins. Like it's it's really intriguing that they've just got two lefty starters going, plus all the leverage pen is effectively left-handed also. You know, I know Robertson has worked his way back into leverage situations, you know, in, and to your point, like, leverage situations effectively start, like, in the first inning. Like, there is no... no the, the, le- every inning is a leverage inning now, and so it's managed accordingly. going to be really interested to see how Skip manages things, too. Like, you know, it's... This is going to be the first time he's been in this environment as a manager, um, but I feel like he's been managing games already like postseason games so i feel like skip's already kind of dusted it off a touch and he knows what to do and frankly the way that the starting pitching is for the marlins like there's no decisions to make lazaro gets the ball braxy gets the ball and then we'll see what happens in game three but i think we all know that game three is effectively going to be you know maybe they go opener you know with cabrera that follows you know i don't know or maybe they just get cabrera out there but i can i can truly see a situation where you've got Eddie Cabrera out there until he looks like he wobbles in in the slightest. And then honestly, I can see Johnny Cueto coming after Eddie Cabrera. The reason being, and we'll 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 you know segue into some of the hitters shortly, but the reason being with with Cueto, the one thing he doesn't do is walk anyone. That's the one thing with Cueto, and I do feel like you know you could trust him a time through the lineup, maybe he may give up a solo shot. But he doesn't walk anyone. And I think that's really valuable here. And it's kind of like the antidote to, to Eddie. It's almost like you pack them two together. I do wonder what you'd get. You know, but it's going to be tough for Skip. Like, clearly, you know, there's been times, Sean, where it's it's clear the faith in Eddie has been wavering a touch. There's been signs of improvement. But I think we'll all, like, if the Game 3 starter is Eddie Cabrera, how are you going to be feeling at that point? I won't know until the first inning because, like I said, it'll be a coin flip. Just to go back on what you just said about going Eddie Cueto, if Eddie's being pulled from the game, it's because he's probably walked a couple of guys. Yeah. Bringing in a guy like Cueto, who's then probably going to give up. A free probably not the one, is it? Might not be the best way to do it. Maybe you do it the other way. Could you go Cueto with like Eddie Cabrera as like, you know, the third inning guy, fourth inning guy? You know, it's going to be challenging, isn't it? Like <laughs> for me, I think I think Skip has. If you look at all these one-run wins, and yes, a lot of it's luck, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of balanced out from last year where it was a complete opposite. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you're right. He has managed every game, not every game, but a lot of games like the playoffs. Look at the way he burned through the bullpen at the beginning of the season. Yeah, like he was he was thinking about getting today's win, hanged more. Um, and they kept doing that. And then that's kind of why the sort of wobble in the middle of the season happened, or at least it was a part of it. Yeah. So I think, to be honest, Skip has won a lot in his career, hasn't he? The playoffs is, is nothing new to this man. No. Um, so, yeah, and no, I've got every faith in him and, and his decision-making that even if those decisions don't work out, he's still, he's still at the time was making... The, the best decision for the Marlins to try and win a game. For sure. Talking about the offense then, mate. If if the Marlins are going to win this, you know, they're going to have to put up some runs. You know, when we look at the pitching matchups, obviously Wheeler's going to be going, Nola's going to be going. Contract year Nola, by the way. So, like, Aaron Nola, he's looking to secure his next deal. He didn't end up getting an extension with the Phils done. A lot of pressure on Aaron Nola. Can he step up in this spot? Um, you know, you maybe assume like if needed game three, Ranger Suarez would go 
probably maybe one i don't know but let's just focus on those guys offensively if the marlins are going to piece together some runs what do you see being the source of those runs uh in this series who's going to be the the stick to step up and deliver for the marlins here well one of the things i wanted to do was not so much focus on on recent numbers but focus on numbers against the phillies this year okay uh, makes and sense. there's some very exciting numbers out there Jorge Soler with four home runs in 10 games against the Phils. Oh, my days. Yeah, Josh Bell with a 1,111 OPS against the Phillies. Wow, that this year? This season? This season. Okay. The number that jumped out at me was De La Cruz, three home runs against the Mm -hmm. Phillies. Like, he's really struggled recently. Yeah. Against the Phillies, I mean, maybe that number's in the back of his head. So, or maybe someone should be telling him this. Like, mm. that would be huge for him, wouldn't it? Because it the second half has been weak. Ultimately, there are some absolute killers. Um, I could talk to you about Lewis and Rice's batting average being over 340, but actually, that's just him versus that's Lewis Arise. the league. That is, that's, that's his numbers. Normally, that number should jump out as something because of positive, but that's just him being him, isn't it? It is. Who did he get his cycle off? Was that against Nola? I mean, I'm asking you that like you'd know it top of your head, but the cycle was against the Phils. I, I don't do know why. Have, I do have the cycle back, uh, baseball card behind me. There we go. Well, see what it tells us. Was it against Aaron Nola? <laughs> Funny enough, it doesn't tell me. Well, that was, <laughs> that's useless, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely love that. Um, but to your point, though, with with Arias, like you know, his numbers are going to look fantastic against everyone. You know, for me, you look at like Jorge Soler, like last time we saw him in the, in the postseason, he was the World Series MVP. So Soler, he, he loves these big moments. He loves playing against the Phils. That's great to hear. Josh Bell equally. Feels like Josh Bell, just in the NL East, just comes alive. Um, he always used to blast against the Marlins. It's, it's great to see that he does the same against the Phils. Who's... Dela Cruz, I think, is it was a great call, by the way. I was going to say who's like the sleeper guy, but in reality, Dela Cruz is a sleeper guy. Everyone's going to be looking at... What's Soler, Orias, Bell, Berger, and Jazz going to do? What are those five going to do? What you're actually saying to me is, could we get some serious production out of De La Cruz? You know, your sixth guy. Or Jesus Sanchez. That's another interesting part about them going two righties in their first two games. It means Jesus Sanchez is going to be starting both games. Um, you know, Jesus against lefties, it still looks a bit patchy for certain. You know, it's always a little bit erratic with Jesus, but it would be so Jesus Sanchez to come alive in this series out of nowhere and just start hitting a couple of bombs. And everyone's like, oh, my days, who's this guy? I mean, I don't know what his, his record is against these guys, um, but he'll be starting both games, game game one and two. He probably won't start game three if Suarez is is going. But, you know, he's the type of guy, too. But for me, I, I mean, the other kind of hidden treasure here, really, has just been John Birdie recently. Like, Birdie has absolutely come alive. Um, you know, since probably the All-Star break, like Birdie's been such an important player for the Marlins. And another guy I was thinking about, veteran, again, don't know how much he'll play in this series, but I do wonder, you know, could someone like Yuli Gurriel just come and deliver a huge hit out of nowhere? A bit like what he did in, in New York recently. You know, he's not going to be playing and starting both games. He probably will start in game three. He could do anyway, but, you know, Gurriel, he's been there before. He loves the postseason. He comes alive. Could be another really interesting guy. Like the thing is, mate, I've mentioned 10 guys there, probably, all of which 
you know, you can look at and go, there could be a huge moment here, um, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know where it's going to come from, but, you know, I feel confident. I actually feel confident about this series. Like, I love the matchup with the Phils because I look at the Phils and they're entertaining, but they're entertaining because they have a vulnerability about them where anything can happen. The old days, it was the Phillies' bullpen was absolutely disgraceful and would just blow games. feel like they have tightened that up a bit, but I must say in leverage, I probably prefer the Marlins' bullpen over the Phils. What about you on the bullpen side? Yeah, I mean, the, the Marlins have a strong, dependable bullpen. They've, they've had their wobbles over, over the course of the season, but there is, there's a lot of faith that I have in the bullpen right now because of how they've carried this team throughout the season. For long periods of time, they were absolutely the asset of this team. Yeah. And, and, yeah, going into the playoffs with <laughs> two and a half pitchers, Starting pitchers, essentially, you've yeah. got guys that if they if Lazardo and Garrett give you five or six, then you you take that, don't you? And but in the playoffs, that's kind of like the nowadays we see guys getting pulled in the second or the third or the fourth because they've walked a guy. Like that, that's how micromanities games are. So yeah, you could argue that the the relievers are actually going to have more innings pitched in the playoffs than the starting pitchers will. Agreed. So, yes, while having two fantastic starters would be great. But, and I think, in a way, the Marlins have that, as I said, with the numbers. It is a bullpen that they're going to rely on. And, you know, if the if the starters can get through 4-5, keep it close, then the game's handed over to, to the relievers. That's where the games will be won and lost. Absolutely. I... I spoke about on yesterday's pod that like the strength of this club is the bullpen. And in the postseason, it's the bullpen that delivers most of the innings, pretty much. And so, you know, sneakily, I think the Marlins, I know the Phillies are favorites, and they should be favorites because they're at home. But I, I feel like they match up well. I like the, the fact that we've got two lefties going. I think it's a lefty-heavy staff in general. I think that matches up nicely. The Marlins offense, I think we're going to get Lewis Arias back. Skip Schumacher speaking today um, with the media expecting things to be fine for Arias. He's been seen, you know, taking grounders at second. That's, for me, a big step. So we're going to have Lewis Arias. We're effectively, offensively going to be at full strength, pretty much. And I think with that, you know, the bullpen, the rotation as it is, the Marlins have a great opportunity here to go and create some noise in Philadelphia. The Phillies will be feeling themselves too. They've been here before. Very recently, they've had success. And so they'll be feeling it. I'm not surprised this is the premier matchup and is in the, you know, the the best, you know, the showtime slot. That's how you want to phrase it. I think this series is going to be potentially the best series of all four wildcard series. I expect it to go to three games too, to be honest with you. I expect it to go to three. The way the Marlins seemingly operate is they like to lose the first game in three-game series and then win the next two somehow. So wait to see. Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate you joining me again. On Monday, it's our first Monday talking about postseason baseball, and that has been very, very sweet. And thank you for everyone for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. This, of course, is your team every day, and tomorrow is another day. The Marlins start their postseason run in 2023, and we'll, we'll be here before the game talking about it, and then likely after the game, hopefully celebrating too. We'll see you then.